Before we, we focus on worship, let me talk to you about triggers. Triggers are, are words or images or experiences or beliefs with, that, that elicit a strong response within us. We're on the, the threshold of an election and politics uses triggers to, to influence and, and to motivate us. Marketing uh, certainly uses triggers, uh, trigger words and trigger images in products and, and sales. Triggers are, uh, are pervasive on social media. All of us have a unique set of triggers because of our experience that elicits a strong reaction in us. They can be positive or, or negative. Let me give you um, just one example. I was, um, I was called to the emergency room of the hospital where I met a young woman who had a significant history of, of drug use. Fortunately, she'd been clean for, uh, for many years. But two days prior to me meeting her in the emergency room, her, her grandmother had died. They had not even had the memorial service for her grandmother when her sister was shot and killed on the streets. So within 48 hours, this young woman lost the two most important people in her life, her grandmother and her sister. And, and, and her response was, she started using again. That, that triggered that response. She overdosed, and that's when I met her in the emergency room. Grief is a, is a powerful trigger. Triggers are connected to people and to places and events and perspectives. There are positive triggers and there are negative triggers. And we experience them through our, through our senses. For me, uh, the Lord's Supper is, is a powerful trigger. Just this simple element of, of bread. This bread is, for me, the, the body of Christ. And the, this cup of, of wine, this cup is, for me, the, the blood of Christ. And so communion triggers uh, a remembrance and a, and a gratefulness for this great salvation that God has accomplished for you and for me through his son, Jesus. And today, as we, um, as we explore worship, let me remind you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are really triggers. And as I, as I go through my days, I, I try to be aware of those uh, gifts of God that, uh, that come into into our lives. This morning, I, I want to address uh, three, three questions. The first one is, why worship? And the second one is, how do we worship? And the third question is, what triggers worship? The first question is, is why worship? And, and the simple answer to that is that worship engages us with God. But it not only engages us with God, but it enlarges our lives in Christ Jesus. 
The Bible says that, that God inhabits, that he dwells in the praises of his people. And so as you and I worship him, we, we engage with God. And through that engagement, our lives are also enlarged in him. The second question is, uh, how do we worship? And for me, the simple answer is Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, where the Apostle Paul said, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The balance of this, um, of this message uh, is, is really very personal in that I want to identify for you what triggers worship for me. But I'm persuaded that the Spirit of God knows you through and through, and that He knows the, the triggers, and that He has the gifts that will draw you to himself, that will in, allow you to abide with him, to dwell with him, and to be enlarged in him. Let me, um, let me start by identifying three scriptures th that for me have been formative in my worship life. The first one is, is Psalm 46. Where, where the psalmist says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth give way. And then the psalmist goes on to say that there is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of us. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so Psalm 46 is, is one of those scriptures that's been very formative for me in just appreciating the, the power of God and the, and the majesty of God. But it, but it gets better. There's more. In John chapter 1, it affirms that that this transcendent, eternal God has come among us, that the, that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus of Nazareth, that the Word became flesh and we have beheld His glory. Glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And we have seen His glory we have experienced his glory. And uh, that's, that's part of worship for me, is the realization, the revelation, that our God is not only powerful and majestic, but our God is a coming God. It's not, it's not um, once upon a time he came. It's not someday in the future when things are either at their best or at their worst, he will come but our God is coming today for you and, and for me. That today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor 
because he has come to us and he is with us. But listen, I worship because it is even better than that. This eternal transcendent God not only comes among us full of grace and full of truth, but he calls us by name. He knows you by name. You're not just a, a person in a crowd. You're, uh, you're not even a, a one in a, in a congregation, but he knows you through and through. He knows you by name. And you and I can say yes to him in Christ Jesus. And we enter into a new and, and living covenant, new and living relationship with him. Paul, um, when, he, when he wrote to the Romans in, in the eighth chapter of that letter, says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God knows us, if God is for us, who or what can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Can we not trust such a God to graciously give us all things? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? No, says Paul, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You, um, you may notice, as, as I identify these, these three scriptures that have been formative in my worship life, that there are different levels of intimacy in these scriptures. Let me, let me try to explain it this way. I, I have a nephew in, in California who is a huge baseball fan, and his, his favorite player is Clayton Kershaw. Now, he could, uh, he could give you uh, all the stats about Clayton Kershaw, his personal history as well as his baseball history. Paul, not Paul the Apostle, but Paul Koch, uh, it's almost scary the amount of information that he knows about Clayton Kershaw. Um, Paul is a, I wouldn't say he worships Clayton Kershaw, but, but he's a huge fan of Clayton Kershaw. He's even got baseball cards and swag. But here's the point. Paul has never met Clayton Kershaw. And we can, we can worship God for his power, for his majesty, for his creative work as described in, in Psalm 46. We can even worship God who, who is among us, who has come to us, beautifully portrayed in John chapter 1. But we don't know just about him. 
we know him because we have met him through his son Jesus and he lives in us by his spirit. Our identity, our worth, is that we are the beloved of our Father through his Son, Jesus, and we, uh, and we worship him. In the, in the New Testament, there are two Greek words for time. One of the uh, Greek words for time in the Bible is chronos. It's where we get our word chronology. It's clock time. It's, it's schedules, it's jobs, it's academic years, it's uh, chores, sporting seasons, screen time, it's weekends. That's, that's chronos, it's clock time. But the other Greek word in the New Testament for time is kairos, and that's God time. And what I want to say to you is that because of what God has done in Christ Jesus, that every moment, every moment of clock time can be filled with Christ. Worship enables us to sanctify the mundane. Well, well, what are you doing today? Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just hanging out. Every moment of clock time can be redeemed, can become Kairos time in Christ Jesus, because he has come to, to redeem and, and to sanctify the ordinary. The essence of worship is whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, <laughs> giving thanks and praise and worship to him. Let me, um, let me this morning um, give you five examples of, of triggers in my life that, that cause me to worship. This, um, this past season, I've been praying for Larry and, and Sadie Leonard, specifically for Larry's treatment and his health. This past season, I've also been uh, more and more thanking God for my wife, Sherry, and what a gift she has been to me. This year, uh, Sherry and I are, are celebrating our, our 50th wedding anniversary. In May, uh, Sherry and I were in Hawaii as, as part of our anniversary celebration. And one morning when we woke up in Hawaii, we looked out the window and we, uh, and we saw a, a rainbow, just a, a sign of, of God's favor. And, but what I want to share with you is within minutes of seeing that rainbow, I received a text from Sadie Leonard. And this is the content of that text. Great doctor's appointment today. Larry's blood work really good. Just a few things off. He felt no lumps, which is really good. We will be lowering the cancer pills from 400 milligrams to 300 milligrams. Larry 
is doing so much better. The doctor said he lost a couple of cancer patients due to getting COVID this year. He said he was worried about us, but we made it. We've known since 2010 that Larry had leukemia, but it's been laying dormant. And then in November, he said the back of his leg was hurting. I don't like the back of your calf hurting because that could be a blood clot. He's like, no, I can't get a blood clot. I've got Coumadin. Well, I'm telling you that I'm calling the clinic. So I called up to the clinic and the girls got him right in and they yeah. agreed. They thought it was a blood clot. So he goes to RMI and then calls me and says, you got to come get me. It's a blood clot. So they gave him a stat to be directed men. And then we go to Hurley and they um, called it triaged him and then sent us to the waiting room, which is unheard of with blood clots. And then the next morning they called and said, we're taking him by ambulance to McLaren. So they had gotten him a room. So that's how we originally got admitted. So after that, we had a lot of blood work and he's in some group and they send everything to UCLA. And he literally spent almost two hours with us in Shelby and literally laid it down and said, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is the procedure. They laid it right out. And at the, that point, Larry had 11% of his cells were good. 89% of his cells were leukemia. The doctor told us in December of 19, it's moving. We're probably going to have to start treatment, but let's get through Christmas. We went back after Christmas. He's like, hey, everything's loving, laying out. We're good. Yeah, let's circle back. December of 20th, we did the exact same thing. And he said, you know, and of course, obviously, we started praying about it. And Lord, let's, you know, we really don't want treatments, but whatever you think is no treatments then. Then November of 21, we got to have treatments and the new meds are out. He said, this drug, it's a pill you take. He said, this drug, it kills the cancer. I mean, it attacks it, but it doesn't attack nothing else. Yeah, so we were getting through the cancer pretty good. And then February 14th, Valentine's Day, he had been getting sicker and sicker. So luckily, my niece is an RN. So Sabrina came over and I was in constant contact with Megan because she's our doctor and she's been wonderful and Megan's like, okay, or Sabrina very kindly said, Uncle Larry, it's not working. And I had tested him and he tested positive for COVID. She said, we have got to go in and Aunt Sadie can't drive you. So we called the ambulance and we went in and then they said, yes, he had the COVID. Well, then they took him to the COVID floor, but I couldn't go with him at yeah. that point. So he was, luckily, this is another God thing. He never was there alone. And I'm telling you, he's not a person to be alone. Yeah. yeah. And I think God opened that door that there were nurses there that we knew and or were related to. So he was never alone. Mm. He came home too early from the COVID but we had all decided my niece was would come every day. Megan said if he got in trouble, she'd be right there. And with he 
him having COVID was zero immune. We immediately stopped the cancer treatments. Yeah, I remember that. Kind and then in the meantime, though, when you had that next scan after he left the hospital, all the COVID was still there and they could see it. And they thought he'd gotten a lung disease that a lot of people are getting after COVID. And what happens is they don't clear up. And then your lungs just start to shrivel. It's a regular disease and then you die from that. And we yeah. didn't have that. That cleared up too. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And then I'd ask the doctor, because I had that shortest of breath and asking about oxygen. And he said, you know, a lot of doctors are doing oxygen. He said, the problem with oxygen is you're dependent on it. Yeah. Then it can get you off it. Yeah. He said, I want you to fight this. Be tough. Fight yep. this. You can you can do this. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, and it worked great. And the doctor told us two visits ago. He said, when I went to visit you, I did not see a way you were coming home. I did not see a way you could survive this because you had no immune system. He said, and I'll have you know, I lost two other patients that week with the same thing. Yeah. But we came home. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I guess God's not done with him. I told him it was because of the many, many prayers. And in responding to, uh, to Sadie's text, I sent her the, the photo of the rainbow. And so for, for Larry and Sadie Leonard, and for Bob and for Sherry Koch, we can, we can say, God, we, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy and for your loving kindness to us every day of our lives. And we worship you. We worship a God of living hope. It's, it's, more, than just, it's more than just optimism. It's more than just positive thinking. It is a living hope. Peter said it this way. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. We have been born anew into an, an inheritance which cannot fade, which cannot spoil, which cannot be taken away because it's given by God and we are kept by God. Worship, uh, uh, we're sometimes triggered just by gifts of the Holy Spirit, like that rainbow, to, to worship Him. Other times, we can be more intentional in terms of our worship and, and being engaged and enlarging our lives in Christ Jesus. Let me give you a, a second example. This past... Um, a season, Dave Allard asked me to uh, to pray for his uh, for his parents. His parents, uh, Faye and Stu Allard, actually have been married seventy years. But here's my here's my trigger in response to that prayer request. When I when I drive to the university to teach, I my route is I take Davis Road. And along Davis Road is the Girl Scout office for the Saginaw region. And Dave's mom, Faye Allard, spent a career investing in the Girl Scouts. 
So when I drive down Davis Road, past the Girl Scout office, that's a, a trigger for me to pray for the Allards. And I thank God for, for my relationship with this family and how they have enriched and blessed my life for, for almost 40 years. I pray for Faye and Stu that, that God would continue to redeem their lives and, and fill their days with, with good gifts from His Spirit. And that in this season of life that, that, that God would strengthen family members to honor and care for their parents so that Faye and Stu can, can remain in their, in their own home and, and live out their days. Lord, I, I pray that you would surround the, the Allard family with your love, that you would uphold them by your grace. And as we wait upon you, I thank you that we are renewed in our strength, that we mount up with wings like eagles, that we run and we're not weary, that we walk and we do not faint. Here's a, here's a third trigger for me in, in worship. This, this past semester at the university, I discovered that, that two of the students in one of my classes um, are both worship leaders. Now, they didn't know one another prior to being in the class. They, they, they come from different churches. Uh, but both of these young men are, are worship leaders uh, in the ministries that they're involved with. Here's what I want to communicate to you, though, is that I have never heard either of these young men sing. I've, I mean, I've just never heard them sing. I've never heard either of them play an instrument. But both of them cause me to worship because of, of who they are. Their lives just overflow with God's Spirit. Do you remember Colossians chapter 3, verse 17? And whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You don't need to sing or play an instrument to be a worship leader. We have this, we have this gift of life of God within us in Christ Jesus. I love what, um, what Francis of Assisi said. He said, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. And you could say that about worship too. Worship at all times and use words if necessary. Throughout the, the semester, I not only thank God for, for these two students, but I, I continually worship the Father for all of the students, uh, not only in this semester, but in previous semesters that He has entrusted to me. I, I thank God for the students that, that elicit godliness uh, and worship uh, within me. But I also thank God for the students that irritate me, that disappoint me, that frustrate me. Because here's the truth. I believe that God has a future and a hope 
for every one of them. And so I've determined not to know anyone after the flesh, but by the Spirit of God. I, um, as, a, as a professor, I, 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 I give tests and assignments and, and papers, and the, there, are, there are evaluations and assessments and grades, but I don't know the students by those things, by their academic performance, by their appearance, by their personality. I know them by the Spirit of God and the future and the hope that God has for every one of them. Here's a, here's a fourth trigger that has caused me to worship. My parents um, lived and farmed in Kentucky for, for almost 50 years. My father passed in, in 2001, and my, my mom passed this last October. The Lord gave both of them their heart's desire in that the last day of their life on earth before they went to heaven was spent on the farm. They lived on the farm on their, on their last day until they went to heaven. Uh, since October, since my mom's passing, my brothers and I have inherited the farm. Now we live in, in all of us live in different states. None of us are, are interested in farming. However, our primary goal is to sell to someone who will love the land and continue farming uh, the, way, the way my parents did. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. For there the Lord bestows or commands his blessing. You say, Bob, well, well what's in your hand? Just, just some dirt, just some dirt from Kentucky. But Lord, I, I worship you with this dirt. Lord, I thank you that all that is in my hand is a gift of you. I, I thank you for, for, how, uh, for all that you've given me uh, and put into my hand. And we honor you with this. We worship you with this. And over the last six months, we've had a, a lot of, of inquiries and multiple offers on the farm. But I'm, I'm pleased to report this morning that my brothers and I are, are under contract with a couple in their 30s who have two sons, a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old son. And both of them have grown up on farms. Um, and this is, their, this is their first farm. And they'll live in the house and they'll raise their family and they'll love the land. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. A fifth and, and final example of a, of a trigger that causes me to worship is, is music. And the Spirit of God um, is in all genres 
of, of music, to, uh, to awaken our spirits to him and to, and to touch our souls. And I'm going to close um, this morning with a, with a music video. And I, I, I pray that, that you will uh, just allow the, the music to, to trigger, to awaken God's life within you, to engage with God, to be enlarged in him. My, uh, my desire in terms of our time together this morning is that God would awaken each of us to, to the real life that we have in Christ Jesus, that he would, that we would take steps to engage our life in him, and that the outcome would be that we would be enlarged in him. God bless.